It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. 706, 45 degrees outside. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardner. Here on WSB, the Lawn and Garden Show. Ashley is away today. I'm here by myself, but you can join me. 404-872-0750. If you have a question about anything in your garden, anything in your landscape, your lawn, your trees, your shrubs, your flowers, your bugs, your bees, your house plants, if you have a question, I generally have an answer. Gail in Paulding County joins us on the Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gail, good morning. Good morning. Hi. I, um... I'm really happy to talk to you. Well, I'm <laughs> happy to talk to you, Gail. How can we help? I have two um, first love gardenias that I purchased last May. We moved to a new home, and they were kind of my home present for myself because I absolutely love the gardenias. Ooh, yeah. And they grew, I don't know, four or five inches over the summer. They were doing wonderful. And then that terrible 23-degree weather came and I, I went to, I purchased these things that are called blankets. Oh yeah, sure. And, and put those over them. And the next morning, all three of them had pretty much all brown leaves. So they didn't help at all. Um, and so now my plants have lost nearly all the leaves. One of them I know is really dead. It was a florist, um, gift from my husband that I grew for two or three years, but, and, and it's a different type, but it, it's, it really looks dead. The um, other two, however, still have stems that are, um, or branches that are viable. I think they're still green inside. Yeah. I haven't messed with it too much. And they have a couple of leaves that are half green still on them. So I'm wondering, is there anything I can do to help them, are they just going to die because most of their leaves are gone? I don't think not. I don't think necessarily they're going to die. I think that you're probably right about the florist gardenia because you're right. They are different species, or not just species, but different varieties of uh, mm-hmm. florist gardenias that are sometimes not tolerant of cold at all. But no, the, I think it's an inside plant. Yeah, typical outdoor gardenias can take some damage, and yeah, it was some damage done by that freeze. In fact, as soon as I saw your question come up on my computer screen here at the studio, when it said gardenia and brown leaves, I thought, ah, freeze damage. <laughs> so I knew immediately what yeah. you had. They, serious freeze yeah, damage. Serious, it browned them up good. And particularly people who had pruned in the latter part of the summer, early fall, who had a lot of new growth on those plants, wow, they're mm-hmm. brown. They all got frozen back. But Well, I didn't prune I didn't prune these. No. As you say, though, if they're pliable, flexible, and if you go and scrape a little bit with your thumbnail and see any type of green underneath the bark, the mm-hmm. likelihood is that they will leaf back out in April when it gets warm, and they come back out. may not bloom all that well for you next year. Right. I'd be a betting man. I would say I'd bet for them. I think they will come back. Okay. All right. Then I won't rip them out and throw them away. Now, tell me Good. about the, the blanket, because um, I'm wondering <sighs> why that didn't protect them. I don't know. We we put it on the plant. 
It was big, just, they were just big enough to cover the plant. So the, the next size, I guess, I should have maybe gotten a bigger one. Did they go They're, all the way you, to the ground on all sides? Yes. And, and it was windy. It was yeah. windy, so we, we we tightened it. My husband helped me tightened around the base of the plant mm-hmm. and also anchored it with some bricks. Hmm. So I don't know. I was just shocked that it didn't help at all. Other years, I've taken sheets, bed sheets that yeah. were old, and folded them a couple layers because I had them in my other house, only they were big as tall as I am. And so, um, But I still covered them over the top with the bed sheets and they, they always survived really well. Um, but the planket, if you look at it, you can see through it. It's really thin. Yeah. So we have some, um, this last cold we had this week, we put some moving, heavy moving blankets over them mm, again, yeah, just yeah. to help them out a little bit, to keep the frost off of them. When you, I want to go back to something you said about your husband. You said your husband helped you to tighten it around the base of the gardenia. So Yeah, so that it wouldn't blow off. How much actual soil was underneath there exposed to the exposed to the foliage, the underside of the foliage of the gardenia, or was it tied up tight around? Oh, the maybe soil? maybe a little here and there, but I also have um, mulch underneath yeah. too. The reason I was asking Gail is that the theory behind covering things with anything, blankets or old bed sheets or cardboard boxes or whatever you got to uh-huh. cover things with, is to let the draping material go all the way to the ground on all sides, but not be drawn up real tight around the trunk of the tree. You want some of the earth underneath the shrub exposed to the shrubbery itself because the heat of the earth is what actually protects the leaves from freezing. And so if you don't have much earth exposed to to the underside of the leaves, then it doesn't protect it at all. Interesting. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like sealed, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, but uh, I want a okay. lot of ground underneath, like out to the drip. You know what the drip line of a gardenia is out to the okay, tips. Okay, yeah, the I, yeah. It was, well, I guess it was. It was. They just fit, so they didn't. They weren't. I didn't like to pull them tight. You know oh, what I'm saying? I okay. couldn't. I couldn't do that. Okay. But the the blankets. The blankets I just draped over. They were small. I've had bigger ones. But yeah, I see. So, so the way I've draped my plants before was is just what you say. Yeah, with a lot the of space yeah. underneath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. All That's right. the right way to use it. Okay. Well, I will say a little prayer for my plants. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need. Many times a power just, of prayer I, brings them back. I know. I just love gardenias. I come from the Pacific Northwest and. They are just a treasure to me here. Sure, Those and, sure. and the cardinals are so cute. Okay. All right, then. It's good talking to you, Gail. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, yourself the same. Thanks so much. Sky is out in Winder. By the way, our phone number is 404 Sky is in Winder with a question about a camellia. Good morning, Sky. Good morning. Walter, I'm purchased some uh, camellias from Pikes. I'm going to install them today. And you know, those succinct ones often will send out some pretty long, large shoots from the base of the mm, plant. Yeah, sure. Am I better off to just to leave those alone and install the plant, let it get established for fear if I trim them off, the plant might go into further shock? Or am I safe to go ahead and cut those off? It, the time when I have camellias uh, planted, like you said, one or maybe two of those long sprouts and the rest of the plant is covered in green leaves, and I, yeah, I cut the green sprouts off. I figure they don't look right. <laughs> they just don't look right. Oh yeah, they're everything else. Maybe two feet, 
beyond the base of the plant, yeah. As long as you have lots of other leaves on the plant that are lower and look rounded like a plant should look when you put it in the ground, I think I'd cut them off. Well, you know, you're going to make my wife happy. Thank you, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job is to help you, you and the spouse to feel happy with each other. Let me ask you something else, Sky. Have you heard me talk about root washing or teasing the roots or anything about root preparation? I have. It always makes me nervous beating the tar out of that soil, me but too. I was going to give it a try. Yeah, me too. You should absolutely look inside the root ball of the camellia to see if there are any circling or kinked or bent or malformed roots underneath there because it will determine how well that camellia establishes and grows for the next 20 years. It's what you do today when you plant them to make sure the roots are not kinked, not bowed, not circling, but are going out straight from the trunk in all directions around. And sometimes you have to do a little jiggling and wiggling and pounding and uh, untangling, some clipping too occasionally. I clip roots once in a while when I just can't get them untangled. But doing that now, and it's cold, you don't need much, uh, you know, it doesn't need any fertilizer particularly. It needs watering a little bit just to keep the roots happy. But now is a great time to do all of that, and the camellia will recover from your pounding pretty easily after you plant it. Well, I'm... Since I bought them from Pike, I guess the same thing ever happens to them. <laughs> right, they're guaranteed for life anyway, so you can beat them to death. We don't want you to do that, of course, but right. definitely go inside and look at the root system and spread it out real wide. Now, if I have a girdling root, which means, as you know, is a root that for some reason is trying to wrap itself around the yeah. base. Yeah. Again, leave that alone for a period of time and then plant it high enough so I can come back and cut that girdling root? No, cut it off immediately. There's no reason really? to get on. And it uh, won't kill the plant? No, not that girdling root. It is going to be more trouble than it's worth. And the other thing to keep in mind, besides spreading the roots out, like I said, is make sure that the topmost major root, the topmost root where the trunk of the camellia spreads out to become the root system sure. of the camellia, make sure that topmost root is just a inch or so below the soil surface. Make sure that everything is up close to the soil surface and the top one is just a little bit below the soil surface. That gives it enough room to breathe, gives it enough oxygen transport so the roots remain healthy for the rest of the 20, 30 years that you have it. Will do. Walter, I appreciate all your time this morning. Hey, Scott, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Larry in Swanee wants to know about his cherry plant. Lee in Grayson has an African violet that needs a little attention to it. We'll get to them in the next half hour. Right now it's 717, and we'll be back after this. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Well, I have a little griddle, I made it out of clay. What a great song. Let's have a quick weather update. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, high of 50 degrees. Showers later during the day. Tomorrow, more chance of showers. High of 48, low of 52. Excuse me, 42. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Elizabeth is from, no, Australia. Elizabeth. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Are you calling from Australia or from here in Atlanta, Elizabeth? 
No, I'm calling from Australia. Get out of Dodge. Um, How did you find me? <laughs> One of my children and her family live here. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm spending a good little long vacation with them. Oh, wonderful. And it's uh, wonderful. Uh, 20 minutes after 10 on Saturday night. Right. I want to ask you a question about a vegetable, vegetable growing. Um, I have checked the growing zones for where they live, mm-hmm. and they are pretty much like South Georgia, okay. a little warmer, a little warmer. Uh-huh. than we are in Atlanta. But do would I treat, you know, that um, fungus that makes the lower blossoms turn yellow? Yeah, probably early blight. And creep. On tomatoes. Creeps blight and creeps up the, the bush, sure. the uh, tomato plant. That and blossom in rot. What would you recommend me to use on those? Do they have much early blight there in Australia, Elizabeth? Have you seen tomatoes growing and seen the disease there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have. I think the same recommendation there as holds for here, which is to mulch immediately after planting so no soil can can be splashed up on the lower leaves, and if the lower leaves start turning yellow, pick them off as fast as you can so it doesn't splash right. any further okay. off the plant. Um, and right. if you had to spray a, a fungicide, I'm sure there's some Australian brand of fungicide that I'm not familiar with that has the is, ingredients that we use here. Is that um, like copper sulfate? The copper sulfate is not one that I personally have used, but uh, daconil is what, or chlorothalonil is the chemical, but there's probably okay. some daconil or chlorothalonil product in Australia, I would okay. imagine. As far as blossoming okay. rot, the okay. usual answer there is you don't have enough calcium in your soil. You should add eggshells or lime or some crazy thing like that. I've said that before, and I was completely uh-huh. wrong about that. Blossom in rot is almost always caused by inconsistent watering. So if you are consistent about keeping the soil at a moist but not soggy, moist but not dry, then blossom and rot will mm-hmm. go away. And avoid uh, heavy fertilization. miracle Grow also sort of promotes the immediate access to nitrogen. Okay, promotes okay good. Blossom and rot. Well, yeah. I wish you could. I wish you could see their beautiful trees that are blooming now. Oh, is the jacaranda blooming yet? My friend. The jacarandas are just finishing, yeah. but the frangipanis have started. Oh, great! And they have one that uh, they have one that's a beautiful has a beautiful orange flower on it. That's a lot like the jacarandas, uh-huh. but it's more the the uh, canopy of the tree is wide. It's just stunning. It's it really some of their stuff will just take your breath away. It's so pretty, just. Growing in the woods. You know, I'll be and, down in um, in New Zealand in February. I'm taking a group of uh, thirty so some people down in New Zealand. I'll look forward to seeing what's growing there when we get there in February. Oh, I know. It's beautiful. And the um, their weed plant, like our kudzu, is lantana. Yeah. Oh my gosh, lantana can be such a problem. <laughs> such a in Florida, even here in the U.S., lantana is considered a noxious weed, and people are encouraged to pull it up. So oh, and I just there. I just love it, no matter what color it grows in. <laughs> well, you can... and your family have a great Christmas, All and right. I appreciate your help on my 
I'm a veggie. And you're welcome to call again anytime when you can stay awake at night and call us in the morning. You're welcome to call us and uh, give us a report from Australia. We do appreciate it, Elizabeth. Thanks for calling. It's 727 almost at WSB. Again, we'll get to Larry. I'm sorry I had to wait, but I wanted to get the Australia question in. So Larry with his cherry will be after the break here, and Lee and Grace as well at Africa Bible will be after the break. Our number is 404 <clears throat> Ask me any question about your plants. We are here to help. And we'll be back after news. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 44 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. All you have to do to be cleared up and on the right way is to give me a call, 404-872-0750. Larry is up in Swanee with his cherry tree. Hey, Larry, good morning. Larry. Hi, is that me? Yeah, there you are, Larry. How you doing? Good morning. My name is Lashgar, not Larry. Oh, sorry, Lashgar. No, it's all right. It's all right. How are you, sir? I'm well. How can we help? All right. Uh, I have a question. I have a, like, in the summer, I, I ate some uh, cherry. It was very sweet. Yeah. And I, I broke the hard shell. I planted it in a pot, and it grew, and it's about 14 inches tall. Wow. And uh, and, uh, and well, before the winter came, I just brought them inside. And when would be the right time to plant them outside? That's my kind of question. And how I should I prepare the soil before I put them on the ground. Uh, indoors, does it have leaves on the tree? Yes, sir. Yes, oh, it great. does. Good deal. Well, you can't take it outside now because having been indoors for several weeks, it has uh, adapted to the warm temperatures, the humidity, and everything indoors that are completely different from how it's going to be outdoors. It's going to be chilly and <laughs> shady and rainy yes. and everything yes. like that. You uh-huh. could possibly acclimate it to taking it outdoors and planting it, but my feeling is it's going to be too much trouble to do, and frankly, I would keep it indoors until spring when it's warmer outside, when nighttime temperatures are in the 40s and 50s and warming up in spring and April probably. That would be when I would plant it outside. Okay. And saying that, though, cherry trees, sweet cherries, do not grow and fruit very well in Georgia. So I'm not sure this experiment is ever going to pan out for you. The reason is the reason they don't do well is because they're supremely sensitive to swings in temperature in the wintertime. When the January temperatures go one day from 51 day down to 32 the next day, down to 61 day down to 33 the next day, those swings make a cherry tree think, boy, it is time to bloom right now. <laughs> they will bloom in January and be frozen off which means you don't get no fruit in the the spring or summertime. So this is totally an experiment to see. But that's what I would do is bring it outside, plant it in April. The soil preparation, simply loosen the soil in an area about six feet in diameter, plant the cherry in the middle, and let's see what happens. I see. All right. And another, may I ask another secret Uh, question? Very quickly, yeah. We've got several people waiting. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, in the inside when I plant, brought them inside, there's some little like a little eggs underneath the uh, leaves, uh, and I try to clean it with my fingernail. Yeah. But is there any kind of insects uh, inside the house even? Oh, you don't see any crawling creatures around the egg no. mass. No. Uh, no, no, sir. Let's don't worry about it. Until the yeah. eggs hatch into something, if they are viable, then we're not going to worry about it. Call me back when you see it. When you see something. All right, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call. Thank good you day, so nice much. Car. Good to talk to you. Thanks for calling. We've got Lee and Grayson. Hey, Lee, good morning. Hello. Hey, Lee, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. What can we do for you? Well, I have a question about African violet. I'm not sure that I'm taking care of them properly. Um, I got one as a gift many years ago. It lived for a while. Then it started noticing um, that the leaves were dying. So the new little sprouts were popping up. And I just don't know if the place I had it was a good place or a bad place. It was in a window that got sun, but then in the wintertime it gets cold. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's not the right place, but I really don't have another sunny place inside to put them. So I, I also don't know if I'm watering it wrong. I really don't know what I'm doing, I think, is the problem. And um, I looked it up online, and I did what it said, but it eventually just died. And then I kind of gave up, but I really liked them, and oh, yeah. I wanted to know if you could give me some advice. I think you're right. Wintertime windows are difficult for any houseplant to live in because many times the windows have that cold, cold draft coming down the surface of the window glass. And cold temperature is not what an African violet wants in the wintertime. They want to be warm like they are in the summertime, too. They want to be warm. Right, right. It does great in the summer, but yeah. then it just, I think it just died. It was done. It, yeah. it, I don't know. I don't know if it was the life cycle or, or what. If there's a way to bring it away from the window at least six or eight inches, then it'll be out of the draft, and that'll be, I think, still about the same light level. And if it's in the sunniest window you have, then that's the best you can do. You can't do much better than that. But get it out of the draft. Don't let it be in cold, cold uh, wind, cold air. As far as watering it, I wrote a little article in the newsletter for next week that's going to be how to use your digital water meter, which is your finger. You take your finger, always, and just push it into the soil of your houseplant. If it comes back dry, then it needs watering. If it comes back damp, don't water. And it'll be different every winter, every summer, because of the exposure of the plant, the number of leaves on the plant. So I can't tell you to water your African violet once a week or twice a week or anything like that. Simply use your water meter on your finger, okay. on your hand, see if it's wet, see if it's dry, and follow that accordingly. Okay. Now, as far as soil, because when I originally got the plant as a gift, it was in this weird dish that had, like, terrarium rock. Uh, and, I, and then I put it in soil, and I didn't know if that was my mistake from the beginning. No, that was the perfect answer. That's what you should do. If they're in rocks, it's going to be way too much drainage, way not a good environment for the roots, but good quality potting soil would be a great thing to plant it in. Okay, great. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Drive safely, Lee. Be careful. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've got, uh, let's see, Tyler in Douglasville. Hey, Tyler. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Tyler. How can I help? And a quick question about knockout roses. Yeah. Um, we just bought a house, and they put eight knockout roses on one side of the porch, and the, I guess they decided to quit for the day. Oh. Um, so <laughs> what my wife's wanting to do is take four of them and put on the other side so everything's even. And I'm wondering, they're about five foot tall. Um, I guess first question is, when can we trim those back and how far? And then second question would be, 
can we would it be easier just to put new ones in? I'm, I'm just wondering how big the root ball is going to be and how much trouble that's going to be to move them and when to move. How long will it go with the planting, Tyler? I'm, I'm not sure. We we just bought the house back in October. So it could be as much as a year, two years, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's about right because they're five feet tall. They weren't they weren't just planted yesterday. So the answer is yeah, it's a good time to plant to transplant roses now. So whatever your wife wants you to do, that's what you do. Uh, I say that the roses you can cut them from five feet down to about three sounds about doable to me. And uh, any sprouts that stick out to the side that snag your pants when you're working around it, cut those off too. Uh, then dig a nice, you know, a bed or, or a planting hole for each one on the other side of the sidewalk so that you can move them easily from one place to the other. Dig it up, take a lot of roots with you, move it to the new place, pat it in place and backfill with the regular, regular soil, water it, mulch it, day is done. So okay. yeah, all it'll take some work to get them moved around and after you move four, then your wife may say, well, you know, they're, they're not spaced quite right where you took those out, so let's move those around too. So you may end up moving eight roses. But right. <laughs> if it makes you happy, it makes her happy at the same time, that's what you do. Now's a good time good to do deal. it. Good deal. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. All right. You drive safely, Tyler. We'll see you, man. We've got uh, Tammy in Canton, Georgia. Hey, Tammy. Good morning. Hi, Walter. Hey, Tam. Hey, I have a kind of a simple question. I, I'm having horses, and um, I don't get them until the spring. Um, but I need to know, can I plant some fescue grass now? Or should I aerate first and then plant it? It's pretty much pasture grass is yeah, what I'm doing. It's not going to come up. It's too cold oh. now. I know. I was sick. I'm really, really sick in the nice weather in the fall. So. Yeah. Oh, so I guess I have to wait all the way till next fall. Well, no, not necessarily. Say. March is the second best time. I think the first best time oh. to plant fescue is September, October. Second best time is February, March, late February in through the late part of March when it's oh. still warm enough to get the seeds up and they get acclimated to before the summertime heat comes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, now, now. Let's, let's, ask, let's talk about fescue grass. Do you know about... Um, the different kinds of fescue, which ones are safe to plant for horses and which ones are not? Well, I was going to go to my feed store and Good. ask which one I should plant. Because I know I shouldn't go to Home Depot and just grab some fescue off the shelf. You are exactly right. The fescue that comes off the shelf at Home Depot, not that it's bad fescue, it's simply that right. it's made for a lawn, not for a pasture. And horses are very sensitive to some things that are in um can be in fescue seed, and so if you go to the feed store, they know which fescue varieties work best for pastures, and that's the one right. to use. That's real smart. Yes. Thank you. Yes, that's what I was going to do. All so. right. Good. But thank you so much for answering my question. All right. Great, Tammy. It. All right. Have, have well, some thanks. fun. We'll see you. <laughs> oh, Lordy, it's 745 at News Talk WSB. And remember our number, 404 Zero seven fifty. Put them in here. We got the answers. If you got the questions, Gary in Monroe joins us. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning, Walker. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I've got a few beehives, and uh, kind of. I was wondering if there was a typical flower we could put in the garden or whatever that kind of bloom all summer. Yeah. Uh, to you know, to give them something to feed off of. You know, in your garden, yeah, there are 
you'll have plenty of different kinds of flowers in your garden, Gary, but I doubt they're going to have enough of any one flower in one garden to really satisfy your bees. Uh, are the pastures around you, what kind? what's the environment around your house? It's it's forest, forest light, pretty so, much all forestry. So yeah. you should have some tulip poplars in there, which they love the flowers of tulip poplar. I hope you do. I'm sure you do. Um, yeah, there's some. Yes, sir. Is there any flat land or land that you could plant clover or something like that on near your house? Yeah, uh, I've got about two acres out in front of my house, and I had planned on, like the lady that just talked to you about, getting some pasture, uh, trying to put some fescue. I could sow some ladino clover or something like sure. that in, I guess. Sure, I had, crimson clover, you know, ladino clover. All the clovers are very attractive to bees, and... Lots of flowers. I mean, you want lots and lots and lots of flowers. And as I say, I don't think you're going to get quite enough in one garden to do anything for the bees particularly. So um, on the, let me see, where you, how can I get you to get this? The Extension Service has a nice, nice, nice brochure on planting plants for, planting flowers for bees. And it's more about pollination and in the garden than anything else. But I think there's another section of this brochure about planting large areas for a beekeeper like yourself. So uh-huh. do you know where your local extension office is uh, in Monroe? Yeah. Yes, sir. Call them and ask them and see if they can, don't have a copy or can't tell you maybe online how to get a copy of the, uh, how to plant for beehives or beekeepers. That is going to be your best resource right there. All right. Well, thank you very much. Clover, toilet poplars, uh, other Flowering trees, cherries, and things like that. Yeah, you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. Bees, I think, are a great hobby. They're a great thing to have for the environment. And, man, you're going to learn so much about insects and how they live, Gary. It's a great, it's a great hobby to have beehives. It's 748. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves' Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. Hey, jingity-jing, it's Dominic the donkey, jingity-jing, the Italian yeah, donkey, la, 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 la. Dominic is a symbol of Christmas, just like old Saint Nick, just like everybody else, the, the workers and the sh- elves and everybody like this, Dominic, Dominic, of course. A quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, showers possibly likely this afternoon, high of 50 degrees. Tomorrow, showers much more likely, high of 48, low of 52. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Kathy is in Bogart. And let's get my cursor up here to put her on the air. There she is. Hey, Kathy, good morning. Hi, Walter. Merry Christmas. Good morning to you. I have a question. I have a lion's head, also known as a hedgehog fungus, on one of my old ancient rotted trees. Yeah. And I know it's edible. My son looked it up on the computer, and I just wondered if there was anyone that would like to have it. Oh, somebody would, but I'm not able on the radio to say, oh, go find Kathy. Here's her phone number. Here's her address (laughs) and all that. I think your better bet is to ask your neighbors, and frankly, ask someone who's very knowledgeable about mushrooms. There's a great mushroom club in Atlanta, one in, I think there's one in Athens, a little offshoot. One in Athens? Yeah, yeah. So they're in Bogart. You should be able to get to Athens pretty quickly. Um, So I would find a mushroom scavenger, forager, go to the 
health food store there in Athens and say, who knows anybody who forages and gathers mushrooms that can identify it absolutely, you know, uh, perfectly, make sure that it is what you think it is. And hedgehog, oh, it is. We it's, took lots of pictures and posted right. it on Facebook and, you know, got a lot of response like, what the heck is that? Yeah, hedgehog fungi are, are mushrooms are very edible. They're well known for being edible. Um, I've never seen one in a kit that you can grow yourself, but I know they grow in the woods readily. Right. I've never seen one before. I'm 82, and I've never seen one before, and I've lived in forests all over the country. So It's interesting to me, Kathy, that there are so many kits now that you can, at home, grow different kinds of mushrooms. Lion's mane mushrooms and chanterelle mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms. They all have kits that you can buy online, usually. And uh, take it home, put it in a real humid, warm environment, and you'll have mushrooms that you can eat. Yes, that's one plant I would never eat. <laughs> it's a mushroom. I just don't like mushrooms. So that's why you're trying to give it away. Oh, absolutely. If it was some, someone close by would like to have it, they're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I would call the health food store or some, you know. Try to that's what I'm going to do, right? call the health food store. They yeah. may want me to just go ahead and cut it and bring it to them. Yeah, they may indeed. That's a good Okay. Good well, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Kathy. Thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. I've gotten kits from companies who wanted me to evaluate them and tell them more what my reaction was to them. Kits that grew mushrooms on coffee grounds. Kits that um, gave me the whole log with the mushroom spores spawn in the log already. Others that said, you provide a hole in a log and drill the holes with the mushroom spawn in there and then plug it up and put it in a warm place and let them, let them hatch from that or sprout, I guess, from that. And so there are these kits. Now, the place that used to be the go-to place for all mushroom cultures and materials and information was called Fungi Perfecti. And Fungi Perfecti, I think, these days is more interested in the semi-professional mushroom grower. But there are lots of other mushroom companies, let's call them, in the out west, and they have a link to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these companies that do sell the kits online at Fungi Perfecti, F-U-N-G-I-P-E-R-F-E-C-T-I, FungiPerfecti.com. It's 7.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Lawn and Garden. 